Carrie, do you hear me? I can. Great. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. So, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Sustainable Business Fridays, hosted by the Bard MBA in Sustainability. My name is Stephanie Milbergs, and I am Assistant Director of the program. Before we launch into our conversation with Ermi Basu of New Light India, I want to hello. provide some background about the Bard MBA in Sustainability. Yes, can you hear us, Ermi? We are here. All right, so I'm going to continue on with the intro, and then we'll launch into the conversation. So we are one of a few programs globally that fully integrate sustainability into our curriculum from the ground up. We are a low-residency program where part of our courses are taught online, and the other portion are taught over long weekend residencies in New York City. We are a deeply experiential program with first-year students partaking in a course called NYC Lab, where they work on real-world sustainability challenges for clients. In recent years, clients have included UBS, Unilever, and Lockheed Martin. This year, we are working with Con Ed Solutions, HSBC, and Inward Point, a startup. I will now turn over the conversation to our MBA student hosts, Carrie Sinclair and Alex Santiago, who will introduce ERMI. Good afternoon, all. Good afternoon, Stephanie, and good afternoon, Ermi. I'm here with Alex, and we are excited to hear a bit about New Light India from Ermi, and we are excited to bring some questions to her regarding her incredible impact with over five centers in Calcutta. In the past five years, she has grown to host over 200 students who are children of the sex work industry in Calcutta. Ermi, could you go ahead and take the floor? Ermi, are you there? Looks like she's on the line, but just so everyone knows, Ermi is calling in from India on Skype, so we apologize if there's any technical difficulties. Well, Ermi is figuring out. Hello? Hello? Yes, we're listening. Ermi, are you able to hear us? Hello, Ermi, we can't hear you. Maybe she's on, is she on mute or anything, or is she um, having technical difficulties? It would be a technical difficulty. Um, um, so in the meantime, most people out. Says, out. Anyone else is on the line? So we can make sure we uh, get her coming through. 
And I believe to mute your line, you can press four star. Or press mute on the phone. Okay. Apologies while she ports out the technical difficulties. Carrie, would you like to chat with her? Yes. Ormi is part. She founded the organization in 2000. Um, from the bare bones, uh, she is a social worker by trade, having graduated from <coughs> university in Mumbai, and spent the first 20 years of her life working uh, as a social worker in Mumbai and in Calcutta. And then it was when she was introduced to the red light district by some youth um, who were playing a soccer game and asked her to come visit, that she was introduced to the youth and to the girls, children of the sex workers in the red light district and realized that she had to make an impact in this community. When she began the project, it was only in-kind funding that she received from donors and from corporate foundations of who she was friends with the chairs and was able to begin to her center through recycling of goods that the corporations and the businesses in Calcutta were not uh, able to use. Since that point, New Light has grown quite substantially uh, to encompass five centers and also work with a variety of partner foundations and schools in India and internationally. Um, they have received accolades from PBS, from the Half the Sky Movement, and have been featured in on both of those news channels as a part of the movement against sex trafficking in India and internationally. Great. Thanks so much, Carrie, for the background. Um, I know everyone's probably eager to get Ermi on the line as well. And, um, you know, I, this will be a very fascinating conversation. We do apologize as she is across the world right now trying to get through on Skype. Um, Ermi, any chance you can hear us right now? Stephanie, it's possible she's calling in from another line, so I'm just going to give her a moment to do that, and my apologies to everyone uh, who is on the call right now. Just bear with us one moment. Yes. And if you are on the line, I'm, I'm going to unmute everyone's line just in case she's going to call in on a different line than originally, so please do mute your phone on your side so we can be sure to hear her if she comes in. Because we're going to get a bunch of feedback if folks don't meet. And Ermi, do let us know if you have arrived. Er, 
Jeremy, are you with us? Are you with us? I can hear her. I think it's, a, it's just an issue of her, her connection. Okay, so she is on the Maybe you could chat with her on Skype. Thank you so much for everyone for bearing with us. And please do mute your line if you're not Ermi or Carrie or Alex, because we want to make sure that we actually get her through in case she's called in on another number. Carrie, do let us know if you think she might be able to dial in or um, if there's another way. To... My apologies. I am trying to coordinate that right now. Stephanie, I'm not sure if you can see if she's still on the call or not. It looks like she still is here. Um, however, I don't hear anything coming from her line. Um, and again, if you are not Ermi, please do mute uh, your line because I do see feedback coming out of a bunch of other lines and I hesitate to mute anyone just in case she has come through on a different line. I don't want to mute the wrong line. So as far as I know, Carrie, she is here, but I can't hear her at all. <laughs> but it's possible that she's not actually in the connection, it's just really poor. Let us know, Carrie, if you hear anything from her and continue on. I'm just I'm waiting. I think she got picked off the call. I'm just waiting for her to be
And thank you all for joining us today. We apologize for the delay, but hopefully you can have some lunch or something at your desk while you wait. And we hope that you'll join us again soon. Ermi, have you returned? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, great. Yes, it seems like we just came back up. Can you hear us? Hey, Ermi. Yes, I, I can hear you. I can hear you. Great. Wonderful. Could you go ahead and tell us about New Light, please? New Light is a project located in the red light district of Kalighat, Kolkata. Uh, it's a comprehensive community development project that offers education, health care, nutritional support, <clears throat> microcredit assistance to the women, and HIV care, um, income generation opportunities as well. Do you hear me? Yes. Can you tell us a bit about your centers and the range of ages and children that you work with as well? New Light has uh, six different shelters. Kalikat is where we have an open shelter that operates for 24 hours of the day and is open for 365 days of the year. <clears throat> uh, we have children um, aged one and a half to 16 years at that shelter. But we also offer educational support to our older kids who have graduated from the New Life program, and many of them are in the universities or doing professional training. Thank you for that bit of background. Uh, while you were trying to reconnect, I gave a bit of the background on you and your history in social work and how you started the organization in 2000 um, and how much it's grown, which is quite impressive feat um, to start with very little support, uh, very little tangible support and to be able to grow so rapidly and to gain so much good press and such a great reputation. Could you tell me a bit about your team 
and how you manage the different teams in different locations. Uh, New Light is uh, governed by a board of trustees, and then we have the uh, executive board. Each of the centers is a center head or somebody uh, who coordinates the entire functioning of each of those independent units. Uh, but the uh, central administration is located at uh, New Light. We have 33 members uh, in the team who work full time, and another eight people who work at New Light on a part-time basis. The part-timers are mainly doctors, a couple of counselors, and uh, some of the support staff. And what is the relationship of your staff to the youth and to the population and the community that you work with? Um, is this a, a common part of the community of Calcutta, is it common to uh, engage in different social arenas um, and to do social work in this capacity for many people? It is um, not really a common feature for uh, people from this kind of uh, marginalized and fringed uh, uh, community to, to participate in a developmental project like New Light. Uh, years ago when we started, we had very little money, so many of the community people were invited to be a part of it, and they joined the program as volunteers. And as we started to get more funding, it was possible to hire uh, people with uh, more, you know, better qualifications. But at the same time, the original, many of the original members of the team still continue to be a part of it. It's a project because of its location, uh, which is inside the red light district. The community has an incredible sense of ownership of the program. Uh, two years after we began, we started to branch out and uh, began working with the community of Dalit people. That is, people who come from the untouchable community. Uh, then gradually we started to add more and more programs currently having three residential programs in different locations in the city and also four other daycare shelters. You started originally by working with girls and then opened the Center for Boys, uh, I believe last year, the Kelagar Center. What was your motivation for opening a center for young boys? Uh, actually, right from the beginning, we did include um, young boys into the program, but the need for a residential facility for the boys came to our mind when we realized that if we did not uh, address uh, the issue of gender, we would not be achieving our full potential as a project that was targeted at protecting and empowering women and girls. <coughs> so it was necessary to create a, a residential home for the boys where they would get uh, opportunity to, you know, to have full education and life skill training and uh, creating different opportunities in their lives at the same time addressing 
the gender um, gender debate and the gender discrimination that is so pervasive in India. Most of the kids, boys who grew up in a place like Kalikat or other red light districts have very little career options and in most of the cases they either grow up to be pimps or traffickers or become partners or women of women who are engaged in prostitution. So this has been a great learning for us and we realized if we were selecting a girl child from a, from a family where the mother was in prostitution, we could not uh, you know, achieve the results we wanted without addressing uh, the boys. And that has been our learning and I think we are still at a very experimentative stage with the boys' home. A lot remains to be you know, experienced because the boys have grown up without having a positive role model. All they see are people, men who are in very, very, they're like, they are the primary abusers, whether they live within, within the community or those who come from um, outside as clients you know, for these women. Thank you. Hello? I'm here. We've spoken a bit about the impact that New Light has at a community level, and it was very sweet for me to hear about how the classmates of your charges um, are welcome to come to New Light to participate in events. And I'm wondering, do their families as well engage with your organization? And is their interest by the fathers of these boys possibly um, as well as the mothers who I know you do work with? I believe you work with 90% of the mothers of the children. That's true. Uh Um, it's interesting that you bring up behavior change uh, and gender. Uh, often, oh, there you are. Say that again, please. Oh, you're just cutting in and out a bit. So you were saying that behavior change in the community is essential to change the action, the future actions of the boys as well as the girls who will eventually become adults in the system. Yes, it has to be. We have to address uh, how the boys uh, uh, you know, look at the gender roles. And in most cases, even though women are the primary um, breadwinners for the families, uh, the control of the male members in their lives is, is tremendous. So we, we have to talk to the boys and tell them that when you grow up, uh, you, you have to treat women at par and that opportunities are equally available to the boys and the girls and thereby trying to create a positive role model among the boys. We are hopeful that maybe in, in the next 
five to seven boys setting up similar um, projects within within the city or maybe in the districts that's wonderful I'm wondering is there um, an expectation also that the children you work with will become proponents outside of Calcutta for uh, this issue in general? Yes, I think wherever they go, whatever work they do, um, they would always carry their experience of having grown up <clears throat> at a place where uh, women have uh, women are in positions of uh, of power, of decision making, and uh, that that command respect and and dignity, dignity that is usually their mothers are totally robbed of. And this has been these are all very abstract things that we try to grapple with on a daily basis, and often we see that the traditional roles uh, uh, role of men in our society is that of being uh, being in the position of control and respect and that women no matter where they come from their you know educational level is are are treated in a way that they are constantly dependent on male members of their families just to give a little you know background to this, even uh, within the hindu marriage structure when a woman marries into a family she is expected to forsake her genealogy, which is Gotra, and assume that of her husband. So these are things so deeply culturally ingrained. It's going to take us maybe maybe quarter of a century, of which perhaps we have covered you know, 15, 16 years. Another 10 years, uh, that would impact, 10 years of work that might hopefully impact the the community that we are addressing. You had said to me yesterday something interesting that women who are prostitutes uh, in India, and India the caste system is very strong, it's one of the strongest systems uh, of social segregation in the world, that the women in, who are prostitutes, they are at the bottom of the, the caste system, regardless of the caste that they are born into. And this denotes to me that, therefore, caste transcends gender or religion or race. Could you speak to that a bit for us? This is something that we learned uh, uh, through our in, a, in the process of our growth and of working both with the marginalized community of uh, women in prostitution as well as the Dalit community. Uh, we have seen women who are in prostitution actually do not, are not considered to be of any caste at all. She might be from uh, the upper caste, like it could be a Brahmin, could be a Kshatriya, could be a, uh, could be a Vaishya, but when she is in prostitution, uh, that caste structure doesn't work anymore at all. She's just considered to be uh, somebody who is uh, who is really at the bottom of the ladder, bottom of the pile. So 
in this context, I am convinced that uh, caste actually, uh, I mean, gender is what here transcends the caste system. Whether one goes up or down, it doesn't matter what caste you belong to when you are in prostitution. But it does not have a generational effect. Sorry, Carrie. You... I'm just saying that it is, it's not generational, meaning that the youth that you work with won't be necessarily regulated to the same group that their mothers were a part of if they are able to access education and other opportunities, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. There is no reason for the daughter of a, a woman in prostitution to assume that that is the only opportunity to her. In my experience of having worked with women in prostitution for the last 15 years, I'm yet to come across one person, one woman, who uh, was said that she did it out of her free will. Most of these women have been survivors of trafficking. Most of them have been um, kind of... Uh, cheated or lured into situations where they found themselves uh, as slaves. So the way we can create that possibility of freedom and, you know, opening the hatch and flying out is through education. Education, life skill training, and elimination of poverty through better uh, access to the economic systems that we have in place in the larger society of India uh, would be the three most important tools in bringing about a comprehensive change that would, you know, impact the entire complexion of any red light district in this country. It's very powerful. I'm also wondering just a, a bit more on the social dynamics of this environment and some of your challenges. Do you find that it's easy to work with the government uh, around this issue? I know you have the support of companies uh, and relationships in companies from your past work as a social worker. Um, maybe you can speak a little bit about the support or need for support if there is some. We definitely we need support all the time, and maybe in financial terms or also in term, non-financial terms, which could mean that if we are able to create a group of young people who are educated, who are skilled, that they could be offered opportunities in, in different corporates and would be integrated. At that point in time, it really would not matter where they where they come from or the fact that their mothers were in prostitution at some point in time, they would be judged simply on the basis of their merit and their capability and the potential they have as um, human beings, as individuals, and which I firmly believe is infinite. And if we can access that, uh, we, we definitely would be able to, uh, you know, create a, create a change that would be uh, uh, imperceptible, and that would be viewed as true as true change by the rest of society here. So currently, we are working with many corporations, including 
um, very big oil company in India, HPCL, which is Hindustan Petroleum Corporation Limited, that's offering jobs to our young graduates as uh, uh, gas station, uh, you know, as gas station workers, which is which are which is not a job that uh, girls from a standard background would take up because those are very fairly high risk, um, uh, laborious, and also not that you know not that glamorous. But we, if we can get our girls to take on those positions, those uh, you know have a component of courage and I have a component component of being empowered, which is what I I would like to you know like our girls to access. Absolutely. It gives them the choice of whether or not they want a hard labor job as opposed to being told that they're not suited for it, which is important for their own development. Do you find that at this point the government in India is supporting that type of empowerment um, of girls in industry? It has been. If you look at the, you know, uh, say top ten companies um, uh, and the big corporations, we've always had presence of women, whether they're engineers, whether they're, you know, um, technocrats, or whether they're, um, you know, uh, people in management. India has extraordinary women leaders. But if we take the total number of women who are educated and those rights rise to these positions, it would be just totally negligible. Maybe you know we can you know rattle off the names of 500 male corporate big players, as opposed to just maybe three or four. So that is heavily the corporate setup is heavily gender skewed, and uh, so it it kind of trickles down to every every level every occupation in this country at the at the base level if we talk about women who can access uh, say an MBA program uh, the class would look like a, a combination of 50/50 uh, but as once they graduate and they get to they get to their uh, work workplaces in the first 15 years 10 years of their lives the gender distribution would be more or less like <clears throat> about 40 60 and as as women um, get older, if you look at more mature uh, women professionals in the corporate setup, we would eventually see that maybe at, uh, at a uh, stage of uh, 15 years of career, it would be the distribution would be like 20 to 2080. And as we get you know, to the higher levels, it goes down to almost 6 to 94 which are like just amazing figures that you start in a class where, you know, sit in a class with of 50 boys and 50 girls, and when you go to the boardroom, it is maybe like eight women, uh, um, I'm sorry, six women as opposed to 94 men. That's the kind of gender and, you know, imbalance we have in, at workplace. And it is, uh, it permeates through every level of society. It's pretty impressive, um, and I think also a pervasive issue globally in terms of the ability of women to be leaders at higher levels of organizations. 
I'm wondering what the perception of gender is uh, to your, your students versus other students and their peers who are not part of your program. Um, we have not really done any, any, there is no, you know, documented evidence or no research to say that their perception of um, um, women's role is uh, how different it is from those who are on the outside. But because these children, these boys are brought up right from the beginning and taught that you cannot be aggressive to a woman and that your, your, your sister or your classmate, a girl, is exactly, is valued exactly the same way as you are, or, uh, you know, the, the meeting out of uh, reward and punishment is the same for both, they definitely have a different gender perspective. There is, there is no doubting that fact, because in our program they see a large number of women who are in decision-making positions and who are impacting their lives on a daily basis. Like if they have to go and, and appear at an interview, we are training them or we are, uh, you know, uh, helping them to access their voter cards or their, uh, you know, passports. So they see a group of women who are, who are empowered, who are informed, who are knowledgeable and who can take on leadership positions. So they grow up uh, respecting women in a different way even though their mothers are in, a, are in the worst situation. So for us, those of us who work with these boys, we are trying to constantly engage in the conversation of being um, compassionate and respectful to their mothers. And we always try to tell them that do not judge your mother because of what she has done. She has done it primarily to keep you alive and to make sure that you have your next meal or you have a roof over your head. So these are very, you know, these are very, what should I say, very important at the same time are everyday realities that our male students are exposed to. So you're absolutely engaged in a process of changing behaviors uh, fundamentally by changing uh, perception changing the paradigm. Um, you work with outside institutions, uh, outside of Calcutta as well. Are you, can you speak a bit about the criteria, criteria that you use to decide which institutions to partner with and how they're aligned um, around these views of gender? Oh, we have a a fairly large network of organizations um, who are constantly engaged in conversations about gender equality and how we can turn our very gender-skewed society around only by keeping that conversation going. Uh, we have groups in Mumbai, in Goa, in Pune, in Jharkhand, in New Delhi, uh, in Hyderabad, in Chennai, and across the border, uh, again, in, in Nepal and in Bangladesh, uh, where we align ourselves um, in our effort to stop cross-border trafficking, in bringing better justice to the survivors and the victims of trafficking, and also to women who are 
are subjected to gender-based violence. Do all of your students stick with you from childhood through adulthood? Um, we began with a group of uh, nine students, and out of those nine, I'm very, very happy and grateful for the fact that uh, we've been able to retain seven of them with us. Uh, they came to the project at age eight, seven, eight, nine, and they're all young adults today, 21, 22, 23, and they're contributing their time and their energy and their effort and the skills that they have acquired back into the project. And we as a group are very, very hopeful. When we say we, I mean and the, the, everybody who works at Neolife that maybe in another seven to ten years' time, uh, this project is very, would very easily be replicable, would be scalable. We could take this project, the, the model that has already been established to other areas and, uh, you know, create synergy and get local people totally enthused and and totally motivated to create similar similar projects in different parts of this country. You have mentioned um, the variety of careers that your students are interested or engaged in now. Could you just speak on that briefly for the callers? Um, our you know our students can go ahead and choose any career uh, that they want, and it is our responsibility to make those opportunities available. Uh, we have a student from our first group who is hoping to go to the Bhava Atomic Research Center in Mumbai and study astronomy. Uh, we already have our graduates who are. Um, who've gone to schools of social work, who've uh, gone to the university to study, study education and pedagogy and social work, and uh, students have gone on to uh, study in computer graphics, um, animation. Um, they're working in, in big uh, luxury hotels as uh, um, hospitality management staff, uh, nurses, um, we are hopeful that one of our uh, graduates, uh, she would go to Tamalpa Institute to become a dance movement therapist, and hopefully she would come back and start her own school where she would create future leaders in, in that field of, uh, of care. That's incredible. That's truly incredible. They would, what would you say is the likelihood that these children would have had those opportunities had your organization not been able to support them? Um, I, I don't want to sound arrogant or, or, or pompous or self-important in this context, but uh, the, the truth is that if you did not offer these opportunities, Maybe by now, most of the girls who are in university would have become, if not, if not sex workers, they would have dropped out of, um, at the end of primary school, would have been illiterate, would have 
gotten married and 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 not really realized uh, uh, the full human potential that they have been gifted with. It's quite hopeful um, to see the impact that you're having, Alex. I'm going to let Alex um, ask a couple questions um, before we run out of time. Alex. Hi, Odini. Um, my name is Alex. I just wanted to thank you, Ignology, for all the incredible work you do. And I first became familiar with it through Half the Sky. And I was wondering, how is your involvement with the Half the Sky movement? Um, Sorry, Alex, you so, have to repeat it. Sorry, I, I might have spoken too fast. I apologize. Um, or the connection might be off. But uh, I wanted to know, how is the involvement with Half the Sky change the yes. level of impact New Light is able to make? Um, is it the exposure? Have you had uh, more opportunities for financial donations or endorsements? I was curious. Oh, Half the Sky has been, uh, you know, kind of a watershed moment for New Light. Um, Nick Christoph uh, visited New Light years ago. And he saw us at the time. We 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 were truly a fledgling organization at that time. And then when he, uh, you know, went on to write half the sky, he didn't mention briefly about our project. And when the team went around contacting people from around the world <clears throat> to feature in half the sky, quite by chance we we were dealing with. Monisha's case, the girl, if you remember, who was being sold off by her family into prostitution, and it was her grandfather who was primarily responsible for that. Um, so I was, I mean, it, it, everything at that moment happened quite per chance, and, and it, it's been, it was a great coincidence that um, the recce team from Half the Sky, while they were in Kolkata, they just saw me in conversation with Monisha. Um, so you can imagine that each of the team members of Half the Sky, they're very, they're intensely involved uh, with the lives of the children. And obviously, the exposure that we received through Half the Sky um, has been incredible. It's been, it's made us move intergalactic spaces, and we're just so grateful for that. Um, no, that's very true, and uh, I think that's incredible. So thank you for sharing that um, experience. And I wanted to know, um, you know, after I watched Half the Sky, I was very inspired, but I was also brought to my attention all the insane issues that are going on in the world. So how would you suggest the average woman um, say, I'm living in America, how would be the best way that I could help with the impact that New Light is making? Is it through helping to educate and spread the word to my friends? Is it helping to raise money? What would you suggest? I think the most uh, important thing anybody from anywhere in the world could do is, is to stay aware of what is going on in our world and why is it happening we need to start questioning ourselves and and take responsibility, in individual responsibility that will translate into universal responsibility in creating a world where uh, we would be
be able to minimize or absolutely eliminate the gender discrimination that is so pervasive. And at the same time, we can, today if we say that we live in a global village, uh, we have the power um, to influence. We could start writing to our local governments and then all of those things could be collectively taken to our higher regional governments. You could influence the Senate, you could influence international policies, one could in influence international uh, repatriation arrangements uh, for our, um, our the, you know, the treaties that we have for sending offenders back to their countries for being tried, um, and to create a net network of safety, of uh, rehabilitation uh, for for the for the victims and the survivors. It is not always money. You could always donate your labor. You could travel across the globe and volunteer at projects. You could raise awareness. And even without you know, leaving your small town, you could raise small sums of money and then uh, you know, contribute locally, contribute globally. Even if you're impacting your own street and making people aware of what's going on around the world, I think that is really invaluable. It's really great to hear you say that. I think a lot of people today see that there are issues, but they don't feel themselves to be financially in the position to help. But what I'm getting from this is that without uh, without money, you can actually have a real economic impact um, on the development of a country, such as India, or many others worldwide. Um, you're graduating 200 students this spring, correct? Yeah, I mean from the from <laughs> yes, from the uh, from the first program, right? That's incredible. I wanted to congratulate you first of all on such a big accomplishment. And also before time gets entirely away from us, I would like to open the floor to anyone else who is calling in who has a particular question. Sure, and yes. thanks to you. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. This is Stephanie with the Bard MBA program. Um, if you do have a question, please press five star on your phone and it will alert me that you want to be unmuted to ask Ermi a question. Um, you know, I've, Ermi, I want to thank you so much for being you know, so brutally honest with what is going on in the situation on the ground where you work and telling us about your organization. That's very, very inspiring. So I'm thoroughly enjoying this, and thank you, Carrie and Alex, for leading um, this conversation. And um, if anyone wants to ask a question, please do so now. Before we run out of time, just press five star, and I will unmute you. So, um, Carrie and Alex, we don't have any questions yet. So, if you have another, if you have some more questions, you can proceed, and I will let you know if anyone chimes in. Absolutely. I would like to know. I have two questions. One, one of which is um, stronger than the other. So, I'll go with the softer one first. How do you determine success for me? individually, per child? 
and as an organization. Army, do you hear me? We may have lost her for a second. It looks like she's still on, so maybe she'll come back. Army, let us know um, when you're back on the line or can hear us. And thank you everyone for bearing with us through some technical problems, but overall I'm very happy that we've been able to get a really good chunk of conversation with her. Unfortunately, the connection sometimes is much, much bigger than the world feels these days. Exactly. So. Technology is amazing, but it's not perfect. <laughs> Ermi, are you with us? All right. Well, Carrie, let us know if you hear any word or if we should um, try to wrap up soon. Just We can wait a few minutes. If she, I would love to hear her answer to your question if she comes back. I think we're just waiting for her to reconnect. Well, I know she's online, so we'll just give her a moment to call back in. And Hello. Or me, we can kind of hear you. Even though the connection. Hey, I'm here. Hello. Oh, that's great. Okay. Um, I I'm sorry that the connection is bad. Um, as I said to you earlier, we will be using different technologies than Skype going forward, and that's a public call out of Skype right now. Um, did you, I don't know if you heard my last question. Would you like me to repeat it? Are you there? 
Okay, I'm going to ask you again, uh, in case you did not hear, how do you determine success uh, for yourself and for your organization, but also at the individual level for child? I would love to hear your response, if you can get through. Okay. Uh, 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 um, you know, like, um, and that it is uh, has worked for many years. Um, I'm not sure if we can talk about the best group and if you think that it's the Today, not a single child is ending years. They go to preschool, and most of the kids who are uh, 18 have graduated from high school, and they're ready to join university or go in for professional training. Less than hundred and fifteen years. We got definitely part of your answer uh, has grown. You're waking up quite a bit, I'm sorry. It sounded like a really good answer, too. <laughs> oh, no, I so want to hear it. <laughs> and thank you all for bearing with us. Um, Carrie, let me know if I should wrap the call soon or if you want to stay on for a few more minutes. If folks need to drop, we do understand it's after one. But um, if Ermi can come back, we would love to hear her answer. Um, either way, let me know when you think would be appropriate to wrap up. I would like to give Ermi the last word if she can connect. But other than that, I am very pleased that she was able to bring such, uh, such light to this issue, both as a social issue but also as an economic development issue and a business issue these days of sustainability for many companies and many individuals around the world. Ermi, would you like to have the last word? 
Okay, Stephanie, I'll hand the floor back over to you. Yes, I apologize. I would love to hear her answer to that, and I hope there will be some other opportunities for us to engage with her. Um, agreed. She just shed some great light on a lot of issues that are part of society, not just in India, but also beyond um, in gender roles and what that means for business and beyond um, as we think about that. So I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I want to thank Carrie and Alex for leading this. And for Ermi, if you can hear us, thank you so much for dialing in so late <laughs> your time. And for everyone on the call, you know, we host these calls twice a month, the first and fourth Fridays of the month. And we will have a conversation next Friday with Kristen Sullivan of Deloitte, and we'll be discussing sustainability reporting. So I hope you can join us. And everyone have a wonderful Friday and a wonderful weekend. Thanks again. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Ermi, and thank you, Alice. Have a great day. Thank you. Talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
The host has joined the conference.